0: and battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders visit AbyssBattery.com
1: It's only a kick A jump A block It's only a serve It's only a tackle A run It's only for the fans after all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Boat Hunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Tacticam. Tacticam is by far the easiest way to begin filming your hunts. Whether it's the budget-friendly Solo or the 4K 5.0, Tacticam has something for everyone. Check them out at Tacticam.com. This year we are also partnering with Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is artificial intelligence for the deer woods. And everybody is eagerly awaiting uh, the launch of the app. I know a lot of the Patreons are. I am for sure. And they are just trying to get that... um, dialed in, you know, with guys as dialed in as Andy May, Taylor Chamberlain, Johnny Stewart, Greg Litzinger, you know, when you've got guys like that that are on your pro staff, um, everything's got to be perfect. These guys are meticulous. And looking like a launch of uh, September, that's what he's shooting for. Bill's been super busy. I can't even get him on the phone. Uh, But basically Spartan Forge is using um, artificial intelligence, uh, creating a neural network to track deer movement based on historical data, GPS uh, deer studies, um, car deer accidents, insurance information, um, all of these things to predict what time you should be in the woods. So this isn't your daddy's uh, farmer's almanac. This is high level uh prediction same thing that's used overseas to track the bad guys right so that's what spartan forge is doing and once that app launches the price is going to go up so start your 14 day trial now you can go to spartanforge.ai um and if you want to go ahead and sign up you can get 25% off by using code Bowhunter. uh it's extremely inexpensive It's a year long thing. It's not a monthly deal. And you're going to be grandfathered in for that entire time. So basically, if you want to be able to be as efficient as possible and know what days to be in the woods, check out Spartan Forge. You can check them out at spartanforge.ai. Quick shout out to our latest Patreon, Michael Elrod out of Florida. Uh, He actually signed up for the yearly. I just opened that up uh, so you can just sign up for a year of Patreon. I sent him a hat, a shirt, stickers, all the things that we uh, have as far as our swag uh, going out to him. Finally, uh, John was back. John's back on this episode, but he got that bow sent out to Kevin. So the bow, that HHA site, all that stuff is sent out to Louisiana and Kevin's down there. He's got it. So I'm glad that that made it safe. Um, and basically guys, Patreon is a crowdfunding for creators. So essentially it helps us to buy new gear to try. It helps us to buy new equipment, the recorder that I'm using right now, uh, the software that I use to edit the podcast, all of that stuff comes from, you know, the Patreon support. And we can't thank you enough for that. And we try to thank you as much as we can with giveaways. So we do a quarterly giveaway and this quarter our giveaway is going to be a uh, latitude method two or the xl if you're one of the big boys um that's the saddle that john's using but to be non-partisan um we're gonna give away those tethered one sticks in that package uh a trophy line edp and some of the trophy line uh trophy has got some new ropes out uh eight millimeter super strong um pretty nice ropes Uh, really digging those. And so we're giving that away. And then with our partners, Basemap. So we've got a podcast scheduled here coming up real quick to go over all the new features that Basemap has been rolling out. They got two or three different things. There's a new one launching, I believe today. So uh, if you're hearing this podcast and you're on Android or you can go online, they have got a crazy new feature coming out. And then I think by the end of the week, it'll be on iOS. And we're going to talk to Ed with all that. But we use map, They've got tons of layers. They are the best value in uh, GPS mapping software, um, in my opinion. Um, $30 for the entire year. That's the entire country. You've got multiple states, tons and tons of layers right now uh, for the uh, hunt I'm doing in Colorado. I've been monitoring the fires. Uh, they're basically northwest, southwest and southeast of where we're hunting within 40 miles. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I'm able to track that. And like I said, for $30 for the entire year, you can use code chronicles, save you 20%. And that'll give you $24 for the entire year $2 a month. Uh, If you're not using something like that, you should definitely check it out. Base Map has a A free version, too. Um, You don't get all the layers, all the features, and everything like that. Uh, But you can certainly at least go in and test the waters and and do some poking around. Uh, But they give away a year subscription to that, as well as a hat and a shirt. Uh, Spartan Forge, they give away a year membership to uh, the Spartan Forge services, uh, like I just outlined. And then um, our friends at Zinger Fletchings, um, they're giving away... You know, they just decided, hey, if you want to give away some of our our Fletchings, you can certainly do that. Uh, 3D printed, compression fit uh, Fletchings. Been shooting them all year. Shot them at the Total Archery Challenge out over 100 yards. Shot really well. They fly great. Uh, The earlier versions were maybe a little bit loud. Uh, These ones, we're not seeing that. And uh, these are a little bit more pliable. Uh, But you can check them out at uh, Zinger Fletchings. Just Google them or click on the link uh, on our website, uh, bowhunterchronicles.com. And you can check all that out at our website, bowhunterchronics.com, Click on the Patreon or go to the uh, Instagram and click on the Patreon link. And it helps us out tremendously. I can't thank you enough. But for you guys that that's not your thing, no problem. Just go ahead and uh, share this with somebody. Tell a friend, um, whatever. I know you guys are probably going to think this is a crazy episode, um, but This episode in particular uh, comes from the Patreons. They wanted to know about uh, minerals um, and things like that, and it really opened my eyes. It's a great episode as far as minerals go, um, looking at different things, uh, why you would use them, where you can use them, how you should use them, and what the benefits are for um, the deer herd. So um, I know you guys are going to love this one. It was very eye-opening to me. Really enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. All right, everybody, Adam and John. John's back from his uh, UP adventure. So We get to hear the sweet sounds of John Boersma here one more time. Be back for one more week and, <laughs> and then gone again. <laughs> so, um, uh, but tonight we're going to be talking about something that's uh, a little bit different, nothing that we've ever covered. And, you know, I, to be honest with you, I didn't think it was going to be something that we would maybe ever cover just based out of uh, Michigan here. And I uh, put it up in our Patreon group and said, you know, this is something you guys would be interested in hearing about. And they said, sure. Um, so we're going to be talking uh, minerals tonight with uh, Harry Howland from Maniac Outdoors. So uh, how are you doing tonight, Harry?
0: Real good, real good. How are you guys doing?
1: I, you know, it, it really feels like it's it's been cooler over here the last couple mornings and the temperature shift i mean it still feels humid but the the temperatures kind of getting me like man it's getting close to hunt season i mean
0: yeah yeah It's same over here on the east side of the state you know the temperature i mean yesterday i think high was like 74 and it's kind of cool in the morning and kind of damp so you know and the week before it was kind of hot and muddy so i think it's hopefully starting to cool off a little bit.
1: yeah so i, I want to talk a little bit um you know, we're we're definitely going to get into to minerals and the uses and and all that stuff. But uh, like, what's your hunting history like? Growing up, hunting and and like your hunting, I guess pedigree, we'll call it.
0: Uh, well, I guess I was a late bloomer. I didn't really start hunting until I was probably probably around my mid mid twenties, and I'll be fifty four this December. And I got involved with a buddy of mine wanting to take me out goose hunting, and I, nobody in my family hunts at all um so it was kind of you know i went with him it was kind of a, a way to you know start getting into the woods a little bit and from there it just pretty much took off especially deer hunting is pretty much my forte and i you know i went bird hunting with a few more times after that but it was pretty much you know chasing after white tails
1: and so when you started hunting whitetails like uh, was it public land, was it uh, ladder stands and bait piles, Um, you know, was it the buck bedding and everything that we think of today?
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, it was such a learning experience. You know, I'd get the magazines, go through magazines. You know, I didn't have a mentor or anything like that, and it was all state land. Um, And, I mean, the very first deer I ever shot was a small seven point, and I still have the picture today, and I was proud of it. And, And, you know, I didn't even know how to gut it. So I was on state land. I went to the side of the road. There was a couple older gentlemen that were out there, and I said, "Hey, you know, I'm, can I, you know, get you guys, uh, you know, help here and show me how to do it?" He was like, "I'll show you exactly how to do it." And then, you know, so and it was a lot of trial and error, you know, especially not knowing anything. So it was a lot of magazines going through, a lot of old DHS tapes, you know, from Dan Fitzgerald and Bob Polkrod, and uh, you know, a lot of little guys just learning. Trying to get every you know chance I can experience getting into the woods.
1: So, what was the setup on that first deer? Oh my God. It was actually, I took an old pallet,
0: <laughs> found, found an old tree that had like three big branches out, took a pallet between it, had an old rickety ladder, it was an old wooden ladder, nailed it up to that, and that was my first tree stand. Safe, not at all, but the experience in it. And like I said, I, uh, you know, it's something I'll never forget.
1: So when I'm out in the woods and I see that stuff and I'm like, who in the hell <laughs> would do that? Yeah, that was, yeah, one of those, uh,
0: very, very newbie rookie moves, but it worked, you know, it got me to, uh, you know, we say getting into your blood hunting and stuff like that and never looked back since.
1: Yeah. I think I was sent to a stand like that. And it was one of John's cousin's stands and, uh, I, I, didn't, you know, my father-in-law, Frank, he says, yeah, go out there. And uh, yeah, has got a ladder, ladder stand out there. And it was, it was an old aluminum ladder and a couple of boards. And I was like, no, I'll just hunt on the ground right here. I think.
0: And every step you went up, it probably made noises and cracked and popped <laughs> and everything else.
1: Oh, I didn't even give it a chance. I, I said, <laughs> "I said, you know what? I said, I think I'll be fine right here at ground level. And so where you, you go. Were you hunting, like, runways, bedding areas? Did you have a big bait pile? I mean, I just think of, like, the traditional Michigan hunting that I think of.
0: No, it, I really never hunted over bait. Um, I have nothing against it. I just, you know, I, I tried to find some runways, you know, when I first started out. Really didn't know too much, you know, what the bedding areas were, um, you know, to get between the food source and the bedding area. So I kind of got off, like, an old cornfield I found. Um, they were heavily used. They were just tearing into it. And that's where I put it up probably about 15, 20 yards from there.
1: Sweet. Okay. Well, I mean, that's super interesting because I mean, for me, and like I said, you know, this is not our forte. So I'm definitely going to be learning um, from this, but I always think of, and John, I, I'd be curious to hear your opinion too. Uh, but I always think of mineral as an attractant. I, I, I don't think of it as a, a necessity. Um So here to hear your take on like hunting over bait. I mean, that's kind of like the way that we feel, right? I, mean, I grew up hunting over bait. John's probably never hunted over a bait pile in his entire life. Well, a couple times <laughs>
2: here and there, but it was, it was my buddy Stan like, Hey, same thing. Just go sit up there. If you want to go see some deer or whatever, I'm like, all right. But I, yeah. I prefer
1: not to hunt over bait, but I mean, that's just me. And for you, John, mineral, what do you think of, like, what's your, what's your, uh, preconceived notions are like coming into this? So when I think of mineral,
2: I think of mineral block or, you know, like you, I used to run into out in the woods, but I mean, I really, I really haven't put much thought into it. I mean, kind of like a, I think of them more coming to a bait pile as a, you know, like pile of carrots or apples or something, but
1: I mean, I don't know. I just. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so this is going to be super informational. Yeah. For us. So, so that, well, that.
2: Well, especially after listening to Dieter. Yeah. And he uses, you know, well, he's in the UP. That's where I just come from. And every gas station that I stopped at had, you know, corn for sale and getting ready for the apples. and. But, exactly. But he used it for, you yeah,
1: know. Yeah. He almost uses it as like a community scrape area for checking inventory, for seeing these. And then I've got a buddy that hunts down, um, got some knock on door, uh, permission properties in Missouri. And so the the owner of the property is like, Oh, we have an old mineral site up there. So they put cameras on there and it's just exactly like that community scrape type deal where, you know, there's all these bucks that are checking it, that are coming in and there's just constantly deer there. Uh, Um, so for you uh, being not a bait guy, you know, a, a Michigan guy, how do you end up in the mineral business?
0: My thing is I I have used minerals in the past, and to me it was not more of an attractant. I wanted to see healthier gear. Um, so I, what happened was I kind of started working with a professor of ruminant nutrition a couple years ago. And like I said, I'm, I'm a master plumber by trade. Um, I have no background in, you know, uh, biology or anything like that, but I did study a lot. And I wanted to come up with something that wasn't just an attractant. I wanted something to actually create an overall healthier deer herd. Um, so, yeah, I sat down, you know, with them. And it was, you know, through a major university, and we went back and forth and kind of what I wanted. And, you know, I was going back and forth and looking on a lot of the bags, blocks. A lot of it had a lot of high salt content. And a lot of it was just pretty much uh, sodium chloride pretty much bleached out white, you know, table salt. Which you know, once you bleach it out, it has zero nutrients into it. So that's why you notice a lot of the, um, like the sea salt and the land salt is pink. And what that is, that has all the still nutrients in there. And that's why you can see the price difference between, you know, what you buy off the shelf have land or ancient sea salt compared to like table salt. You know, it costs four to five times as much. So, and like so I wanted to actually get something to. Um, Create an overall healthier deer herd. You know, you have a healthier deer herd; they're less susceptible to you know chronic wasting disease. You know, whether it's EHD, uh, blue tongue. Not saying they can't get it by using mineral, but if they're healthier, they're going to be able to fight it off as much as you know. Same thing with hoof rot.
1: So, with uh, looking into this, so as you start down this journey, because you know, for me as a a pharmacist, I can weed through information uh, fairly well. I was just asking at work, like I I, I asked one of the other pharmacists, I'm like, do you just Google stuff better than other people? Or can you just figure (laughs) out like what's bullshit and what's not? Like, because it's, you know, people have the same access to the same information that I do. And it's like, I can come up with the the answer (laughs) fairly, you know, using my the knowledge of deduction and like all of my history of like what I've learned and apply it to like that. But I wouldn't even know like where to look or where to start or what deer needed. So what started you like, yeah. Okay. So you wanted to get a a healthier deer herd, but like how did you start down the pathway? Cause like I would never in a million years think like, you know, John, we've got a podcast. There's, you know, just a bunch of little bucks around here. Let's see if we can, make a better deer herd and not even and and you know and we had talked before you and I Harry um uh, that it's not just for the bucks it's for the entire herd so it's for oh exactly so, right and I want to get into that but like I said like going back to that like origin story like how in the hell do you decide that that's like that's the one that's the one thing to to hang your hat on
0: well, I mean honestly you have know, a lot of false advertisement with a lot of you know Minerals that are out there is always attracting. Hey, we're going to grow bigger bucks. We're going to do this and do that. Why not get to the key point of creating that healthier deer herd? So I did a so much back. I mean, I was up to two, or three o'clock in the morning, even on my days of work. I'd wake up. But luckily, I have insomnia, so no issues there. You know, I and I—I said I, well, I worked diligently with this professor, and we went back and forth, and a lot of stuff would is in the cattle industry as well, is you can take it to the deer herd because they're both ruminant. So, you know, we added probiotics, prebiotics, you know, for the gut health to di- help the digestibility and also to help the immune system as well. And then on top of that, I kept the salt level a little bit lower. Um mine's maxed out at thirty six percent, which deer needs salt, especially here in the early spring, with a high water content and potassium level in the you know, the forage, you know, especially spring and summer. So that's why they need a lot of salt. And then we decided, well, what can we use to um, get the minerals into their system faster? So I have a very unique conditioner, which allows for a quicker absorption rate. Um, It's kind of like a a bodybuilder who takes like a whey protein. There is some stuff in there that actually gets down to their cellular system. Same thing like, um, you know, all the bodybuilders are using. Uh so you know, we end up adding some of that stuff and then um I did a lot of research on you know, with Michigan here and a lot of other states you have issues with chronic waste disease. So I did a lot of research and talked to some people out west and there's been a lot of write ups about that hemic acid can actually eliminate it. chronic waste and disease ions in the soil level. Not a guarantee, but everything does suggest that. So what I did was I added humic acid to my blend as well to try to combat chronic wasting disease, you know, in the soil level.
1: Okay. That's that's interesting, but I, I think like from my, you know, looking at like having studied a whole bunch of, you know, part of my training is looking at studies. Um, you know, are you working with the um the university at all to try to like create a study to um validate any of that because everything would be you know kind of strictly anecdotal um you know at that point you you're doing it to you know um yeah
0: they are yeah definitely running their research on it um and there is some stuff you know that has been published um up in the Canadian provinces and out west they get a lot on the elk herd. And it did show that it was definitely cutting down on the chronic wasting disease that they were uh, actually getting. So, and like I said, you know, it's not a guarantee, because even I have it when I put it on my bag, it contains hemic acid, but it's not a guarantee, you know, studies are suggesting. I had, you know, I, I wanted to make sure it was done and done right, so I actually contacted the USDA, I contacted the FDA to make sure I can put it in there. I mean, it's relatively accessible in the soil level, but I just want to make sure, you know, with What I did was, you know, acceptable with how many grams I'm putting, you know, into the mix.
1: So when you're, um, I guess when you're creating these mixes um, and you said that you're, you're going back to um, cattle and a lot of the things are the same because they're ruminants, uh, all of that. Um, What is it, I guess, how directly does it help? I know because they talk about. Um, like fawn health and milk production and and all these things. So, like, if somebody's looking at um, your bag or any of the other um, supplements out there, like, what should be they be looking for and what do those ingredients do? Because you say, okay, they all kind of look the same. They got a bunch of salt. You know, yours has uh, humic acid in it and maybe some uh, information on what that does. Um, but what are these ingredients doing for the the deer themselves?
0: Um, You know, what I generally do, I mean, whether, you know, you look at any kind of brand out there, I always try to look at the salt content. A lot of it is, you know, 50, 60, 70, 75, 80% salt. Um, And they don't really look at the nutritional value of getting the other stuff in there. Um, You really need like the calcium and phosphorus kind of be like a two to one ratio um, and then you just kind of make sure you get all the regular vitamins in there you know a d e it's got magnesium in it and having all this almost like a let's consider it like a multivitamin you take multivitamin i take multivitamins every day you take it to a certain point that you know it's a lot of people are using minerals they will use it from say april to september well that would be like us taking a multivitamin for a few months and say, hey, I'm all good. No, generally take a multivitamin every day. So I try to tell everybody. A lot of times you'll use the minerals from April, September, and then then they quit using them. So try to use it all year long. You're not going to hit it as much during the winter because patterns change and their diets change and so forth.
1: Okay. And how is it um, affecting the the fawning and the does? Uh, Because that's one of the things we had talked about uh previously when we last talked that it isn't necessarily just for you know antler growth
0: no it's not no it's it helps the lactating does and it's also what i call keto programming so if you have a healthy doe say earlier this year she's pregnant if she gets the right amount of nutrients in her that's lacking um you know say if they're not using it if they're using it they're getting all that vitamin it's like a um like a lady who's pregnant and she takes prenatal vitamins, it would be the same way. You have a healthier kid, you have a healthier fawn. A healthier fawn now is going to go a long ways in the three, four, five, six years, whether it's a doe or you know a buck. They're going to be healthy throughout their life. You're getting you know, pretty much like a jump start.
1: Okay, and so John had mentioned you know uh, you know being in the UP on some. Uh, His buddy's got some private land. We've got private land up in the UP. And um, it seems like a lot of these um, states or the rules surrounding minerals ends up being private land. I know, like, down in Ohio, you can use different attractants and, uh, you know, bait and all sorts of things on private land, whereas on public um, might not be allowed. So... Again, even in that whole year-round scenario, um, the the conversation may end up being more towards guys who have their own piece of land. Maybe they've got you know forty acres or something that they're trying to uh, you know do a little food plot here, maybe put some water over here, and you know they want to use some minerals. How would you use those in conjunction with one another on like a big, like a overall? uh habitat plan
0: yeah but generally you know i would start out you know running the minerals year long like i said they're really going to hit them hard early spring summer uh into the fall a little bit and kind of leaf that towards you know using that a lot um and then far as food plots you know i've got a lot of guys that are using it um they're using like the small micro food plots you know with you know the, the couple of things that we have as well and, you know, they seem to be really doing really great with those right now.
1: But where would you put them? Like, I mean, does it matter? Like, you, you know, if you listen to like the Jeff just type stuff, he likes, you know, a f- food plot here. And then maybe, you know, I think he's like a big buckwheat guy. So he wants to surround everything with buckwheat so you can kind of feed your way in. And it might be, you know, this far off of like some you know, primary bedding so that you've got, you know, transition area coming into your food plots, like where, I mean, where do you want to ideally position these minerals on your land? If you, if you had the opportunity, if you, you know, in a perfect world,
0: um, perfect world, generally I'd like to usually run them on myself and, you know, everybody, I usually try to tell them, try to keep it next to like a water source. Um, always seems to be the best bet. I got a lot of guys that are running a couple sites and then probably within maybe a hundred yards away. um, That's where they're starting to do their food plots.
1: Okay. And are they um, setting these up as like, uh, like John, you know, we, we had the, the podcast with Dieter. He's using these, setting them up as community scrape areas and kind of in the same manner as like, Tripodinger using it setting them up like so that they're bulletproof areas where he can get in and get out and, and hunt them or are they just you putting them like where the deer are in the middle of a sanctuary to do inventory
0: yeah pretty much it's more of uh, using it for inventory um uh, you know we'll run the you know cams on over them and stuff like that and pretty much just getting inventory for the whole year try to see what the buck bill ratios are and you know definitely see, see what bucks are you know working the area
2: Yeah, i've seen like Bill Winky I believe on the Midwest whitetail those guys like they can't do it during the season but they can like run minerals and uh take over their cameras and so the same thing like they're using it as a inventory you know tool but so like the guys out in Iowa I mean do you have many guys out there using it I, mean, I would say,
0: honestly, probably 30% of my skills are in Iowa and uh, out in that area.
2: Okay. But so they can't use it during hunting season though, right? No, they can I I think, I don't quote me, I think it's got to be at
0: least 15 days or 30 days before the season starts. Uh, and you can't hunt over it in that area. Right. Okay. Or it has to be pulled up. I know some states, you know, if you use um, mineral sites, like you actually have to, you know, dig it up in the soil.
2: Okay. Hmm.
1: That leads into another question, but I was thinking about just from that note, like I remember something like way back in the day, like where you could used to be able to have a bait pile, but you couldn't have a mineral block. Like you could put your mineral block, but you couldn't hunt over it. Because um, I mean, <laughs> again, it was just like thinking about like the hilarity of the whole thing. Is like I remember up at like our camp that somebody would come up with like one of those brown horse like mineral blocks <laughs> and they'd like put it out there and the thing would just like literally be there the whole year like nothing's on it they're like i don't understand like two years later the rain has deteriorated it into this little like pyramid looking thing and uh and it was always like you can't hunt over there because i got a mineral block that's doing absolutely nothing and just making it so <laughs> that, you, a, that, you, that you can't hunt over there so your minerals i mean
2: are they, like, a granular, I mean, bag? What? Yeah, yeah it's a granular. They're eight-pound bags, and it's a granular. Okay. So you're just sprinkling on a site and then.
1: Yeah, let's, so let's talk about, like, site setup, because I know that a lot of people will put stuff on, like, a stump or they'll put it on here, and then, like, what you talked about, like, the digging up the soil and, like, you know, my buddy there down in Missouri, you know, they, there was no debate debate on where this mineral site was, even though it was old, because it was all pawed up and there's like a, a hole in the ground. So let, let's talk a little bit about that. Like,
0: Yeah, I mean, um, a lot of people you know, they it, it, two ways they usually generally do it always. Um, some like one way or another. You know, you can basically use a, I tell them about a four foot five foot area. You know, you can pour it in the ground rake it up over that way Uh, my preferred method is i generally like to find a old rotted out stump and basically pour it on that way just a little bit around it and that's you know when it does rain a little bit you'll actually have it end up leaching into it like it does the ground but it seems like it holds a little bit more off a uh, like old rotted out
1: stump okay and so that that's why they would do that because again like john and i like i think i Hell, I might still have a bag of something like a buck bomb or something. And it was like a M 80 looking thing with a bag of powder in it that someone had given me like, Oh, my buddy uses this. It's really great. Like kills deer over it every year. I'm like, I don't know how to use this stuff. I don't know where I would put it. Like, um, so I, I guess, what would you say to guys that were like, you know, considering, uh, doing mineral for the first time or somebody like me. So I've got, you know, in the UP we've got, 240 acres of cedar swamp that uh, has, we'll say zero to very little management on it. So there's no food plots. There's no hinge cutting. There's no mineral sites. There is a year round deer feeder out the front window right now. What about, is there an egg around it? Um, Across the road, there's generally like a corn field there, I guess on the road in there's, there's a few different big, big ag fields. But so yeah, how, I mean, yeah, how would you recommend someone that wants to try it out? Like for the first time, like give, give me your management plan, Harry, come on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Basically, I would just tell you, um, run usually every 30, 30, acres roughly to 40 acres you can run a bag um bag will last you probably three weeks to a month i mean they'll go through it really quick so if you got 240 acres i would probably run day before five different different mineral sites in that whole herald area um and looks like it'll take probably a few years before you can start noticing you know a, a big difference in having healthy everybody thinks you know hey you use these minerals and you're going to see a, a quick thing but In the long term, you know, as I mentioned about the fetal program with the does, you know, they started eating this, they started being healthier deer. And healthier deer are going to have larger fawns, which are less susceptible, you know, to, uh, you know, disease and everything else. So you'll definitely notice the increase in all that.
1: So I'll give you the address. You just ship a pallet of it up there and we'll (laughs) call it it good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But no, I mean it's just like one of those things. And it's good to hear that because I, I feel like most people are, uh, I, don't know, I guess you'd just be under the inclination that you put it there and the deer show up and, you know, everything's going to be a okay. And to say that it's like a long-term program. I mean, that totally makes a lot more sense than, you know, the, you know, the, the industry magic button where, you know, just, You know, this is all you need, and then that's that's what's going to make everything all better.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I'm trying to get away from the misconception of, you know, they always say grow big bucks, grow big bucks, grow big bucks, you know, using my product. It's going to take a while, but you can't alter, you know, the genetics of the deer. You know, you can help the potential by having healthier gear, which, you know, especially for bucks, you know, in the long term, it's going to take a little while. You know, it's not a pour bag out. You know, uh, my magic mix, and you know, and he's a hundred inch. You know, one year, and then the next year, using that, you know, he's uh, you know, one seventy. It just doesn't work that way, and that's what the mis- big, huge misconception is. You know, in the industry, with a lot of people putting stuff out, you know, they're going to grow big bucks right away. It just doesn't happen. I'm not going to, you know, I, I work hard for my money. I'm not going to, you know, shoot the shoot with some somebody that use my stuff and, you know, you can increase your buck size, you know, by 40, 50 inches a year.
1: (laughs) So I Uh, I guess um, for like the um, immediate result type thing, um, what are you seeing, um, I guess, year over year? So are you seeing, uh, and this would just, you know, again, probably be, anecdotal but you could definitely find some trends you know adding a a mineral program to whatever you're doing are you seeing a change not necessarily in genetics but in um the herd health and well yeah but i i mean just like for bucks in general like where would you see like you know a Instead of a button buck the first year, you would see a spike as a healthier deer with more minerals, more nutrient. I mean, we've kind of talked about this before where, you know, you're in these big ag areas, in these areas that, you know, they have everything. Like if you want to talk about Iowa and Kansas and all of these things, you know, they, yeah, they probably have different genetics. But when I think about genetics, I think about maybe the ability to put on mass, but whether they have drop tines or what they look like spread, you know, all of that sort of thing, not necessarily like, you know, they have all of the, they have much better nutrition than maybe like a Cedar swamp deer. Who's stressed, you know, three quarters of its life, you know, uh, the year trying to find food and Correct. all this other stuff. So are you seeing from healthier does, healthier fawns, you know, some of that type of uh increases, I guess.
0: Yeah, I've, yeah, I've been getting a lot of great feedback, especially on um, you know, some of the does that they uh, the guys are seeing with uh, you know, even like the fawn mortality. They've seen the doors are the does are a lot bigger. Um and they're saying that the fawns are looking a lot healthier. Um it's only been going for three years I've started this and really starting to push it, you know, this year. Um and they're even saying the does look bigger, um, healthier. So, I mean, to me, I'm taking that as a huge plus. You know, they've been using it for the last year or two, and they're noticing the change. Um, some of the bucks are, they're saying, looking healthier throughout the year, you know, especially after the rut. You know, they're not going to hit the minerals crazy, but they do tend to go to the minerals. And, you know, after the rut, you know, they're supplementing their body by eating something that's good for them.
1: Okay. Because I just, I mean, I know everybody wants to shoot bigger bucks and, you know, that I'm certainly included in that. Oh, yeah. Um, we all are. But, you know, like I'm just thinking about like our property in general is we don't, you know, we've had a, a antler point restriction deal with our neighbors for, 20 years now and it really hasn't done anything for us. I don't think, I mean, there'd be years that, you know, you'd have a doe tag and, you know, you'd see six or seven deer, uh, you know, a day. And they'd all be these little scrubby bucks. And it's like, you know, you can't shoot them. You know, you couldn't see a doe to save your life. And it was all these little tiny bucks. And then, Wherever they went during the season, because we just piled a 100 guys onto the property, wherever, whenever they moved on, you know. So, I'm just curious, like from that. Now, are you seeing more uh does uh having more fawns then? So,
0: yeah, they were saying that you know they would have keep their eyes on a lot of you know the mature does, um. And a lot of the guys that are using it are just really strict on trying to keep the buck-to-doe ratio and, you know, um, and some of the does that, you know, they have certain markings on them, kind of like a buck, you know, we name names. And some of the guys that have names of these old does, um, they're noticing, you know, they went from a uh, single fawn to, you know, having, you know, a healthy set of twins, whether that has to do with that or just, a, you know, a free thing. but even with the set of twins, both are all looking super healthy. So when that goes back to that fetal programming I talked about earlier, you know, if you have a healthy doula, then taking care of it is like a lady would taking prenatal supplements. And you take that, and then, you know, the, the baby's going to be healthy. The pawns are going to be healthy. So yeah, they're noticing a lot, uh, a huge difference between that.
1: Okay, uh, so I guess where are you said? most of the the minerals are, are going, your your mineral sites and all of that are in, in Iowa. Um, where else are you you're using them?
0: Oh, I've got guys from, that from Wyoming all the way to the East Coast, down to Florida, Georgia, I mean, all over the place. Okay. So is it's it, not one set place. It's probably, I mean, honestly, 12, 13 different states right now.
1: And is there like a... A trend. I mean, I, I guess you can probably see like your, your sales, um, you know, are there, are there states that are much looser with like the restrictions than like we've got to deal with here in Michigan or?
0: Yeah. i in Iowa, Kansas, Oklahoma, um, Ohio is a big seller as well. You know, um, Ohio, you can use all year long, whether, you know, it's a feed attraction or it's minerals. And then I know I've got quite a few guys over in New Hampshire and Delaware that are just buying it, it seems, almost every week. And they're just loving. And what I've noticed is um, even some of the gentlemen I had, uh, Paul Meeks, who used to own uh, API tree stands, you know, um, he bought some bags down in Louisiana, and his big thing was I'm getting more daytime pictures on mineral sites than anything I've ever used. Um, I know it's a lot of trend if you go back and like go to the website and everything, or the, the Facebook page, everything I have, a lot of times there's so many deer on there middle of daytime that are hitting the site, you know, not just, you know, getting nighttime pictures.
1: Okay. Now these sites, uh, states like, uh, you know, Iowa, Kansas, um, Ohio that have, um yeah. Less restriction on mineral. Um, why are states putting restriction on mineral other than like the CWD stuff, or is that the the main driver for restriction at this point?
0: Yeah, I think that is definitely you hit the head on. That, that is definitely the main driver on it. Is everybody's worried about the chronic race disease? Um, you know, as you know. Deer are very social. They're always nose in nose contact, whether you're hunting over a bay pile, you have a mineral site. There's always nose in nose contact. They're very social animals. So having these, uh, you know, they're thinking it's going to be a, a huge thing or a thing to increase um, chronic weight, wasting disease in, you know, all these certain areas and stuff, you know, especially in Michigan here. You know, you're a Michigander as well. And that was a big, always huge thing. And that's why they, hold any of the bait ban and can not use minerals as well because everybody's worried about the chronic wasting disease.
1: Do you see that shifting at all?
0: You know, I, I hear some stuff, you know, I even went to some of the board at the state Capitol and kind of voiced my opinion. Um, you know, my thing was, even if you disallow and don't use hunting over bait, how about a good supplement? whether it's mine or somebody else's. Again, it goes back to having healthier deer. If they're healthy, they're less susceptible to getting chronic wasting disease. Um, you know, they're going to be bigger and stronger. Most chronic wasting disease if the deer gets it it usually takes, they say, 12 to 18 months before, you know, they succumb to it. So that was a big thing. And then Dr. James Kroll, you know, Dr. Deer, he went in front of the board. And they didn't want to have anything to hear about and said, so, Hey he's been around for a long time. There's a disease and this is what we can do. And they just pretty much push him to the side.
1: And so, uh, it, one of the things that just dawned on me when you were talking about, you know, CWD, the restrictions, all the issues. And then you said that you, you know, been working on this, but the company's been around for like three years. Like, what inopportune timing? Because that seems to be like exactly. right at the the peak of the the CWD. So um, it was like, I guess, what keeps you going through all of that? Because again, one of the things that we like to do here is is talk to guys that are actually out there doing things, creating things, and you know everybody's got their million dollar idea, or they see something exactly. that's uh, you, that they say. You know, I've thought of that years ago. Um, so so what keeps you, like, persevering through, like, the absolute worst time I'd have to imagine to have some sort of a, a deer supplement?
0: Oh, God. <laughs> it kept me up night after night. But <clears throat> when and if they do ever, restri- uh, you know, pull the restriction, I'll have something. You know, I do sell a lot here in Michigan. I'm probably in 15 stores here. Um, so a lot of people buy it and use it here. But yeah, when, when they first did it, I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. But after I came out with this, I came out, you know, I got my bags all done and I took them to, you know, some of the buyers in the state. They looked at it and like, okay, we'll buy, you know, here's a, we'll take a pallet. We'll take two pallets and it just took off. I was like, well, I might as well keep it. And then, you know, I knew I have a lot of people I know, um, you know, out of state and it was word of mouth. I said, here, let me send you a bag. This is what I have before you even. You know, i mean, really getting going <clears throat> and you know, they loved it and it was pretty much just word of mouth. And I was like, all right, let me just keep on going. And then, you know, basically word of mouth is spreads like wildfire. You come out with something really good. Um, you know, you don't bullshit anybody and say, Hey, this is what I have in it. And this is what's going to be. And so yeah, it's actually taken off. So it, it was kind of an inopportune time for, you know, being in Michigan here and with them throwing the restrictions on. But then again, you know, it, it took off on other avenues, especially all the other States.
1: So on that note, you know, you're dealing with these, these vendors and these stores here in, in Michigan. And, you know, obviously, you know, the rules, I'm sure probably better than anybody on when you can and can't have it in, you know, in the ground, when you can put it out, where, you know, the counties that you can and that you can't, um, what do you think is the climate of the actual vendor or the population at large of the hunters in Michigan? You know, because as soon as they had the bait ban, you didn't not see all of the the carrot bags and beets and corn. and Well, they were still at all the gas stations, still even down ex- here in
2: the Lower Peninsula. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah so. exactly. I'm over in the thumb area and, you know, they're, they're all over the place. You know, carrots, sugar beets, corn, apples. So it didn't hurt anything. It just, you know, I guess they were being a little bit more cautious of where they're going to put it. I guess.
1: But so, how does how does the the store, um, you know, when you go in there and say, "Hey, I got this," do they even like does that ever come up even as a consideration? Because you know, you wonder about that when you see stuff in there. You know, especially like the like the dopey and stuff like that now where it's got to be you know ata certified or whatever and you see something that you know isn't and you know you're like well it's on walmart shelves like tom dick and harry they don't care well i mean you're harry so maybe you but (laughs) (laughs) But like what do the what do the vendors say
0: they absolutely love it i mean honestly it just you know they'll say you know it's on the bag you know check your local Government restrictions. Um, and, I mean, yeah, they're, they they sell so much of this stuff; it is ridiculous. You know, whether they go up to the UP or a lot of state with it, but a lot of it, you know, in selling it here in store, they're using it, uh, you know, in state. So, it, and actually, the last year or two, when I was talking to you know the uh, the vendors, you know, talking to the buyers there for them, they were saying they're seeing an increase in the minerals and the feed. Since they put the ban on, go figure that.
1: Well, I I would imagine that uh, you know if you if you lived here where we do, and you had you know my parents have five acres, so if I bought a bag of whatever, sprinkled it out there right before it rained, you'd you know you'd have the, to tell somebody about it. Or, someone
2: stumbled on, they'd be like, oh dear, turn this up. But when you walk through, someone's or you accidentally stumble onto someone's property or state land and like see a bait pile. Well, that's definitely like whoop, someone's illegal. Right. So <laughs> yeah. it could it, be
1: part of it. And again, I think it goes back to that idea as an attractant side of it, than, uh like, you know, actually doing something good for the deer. So
2: what intrigues Correct. me about this whole thing is back to that, the acid that you put in it. If that study could actually, I mean, obviously studies take an awful long time to, you know, to prove and everything, but man, if that were the case with the acid, that it helped kill the prions, then that would like eliminate the whole, you know, problem with the mineral because it's a community site, the deer are coming in and that's the big thing. That's, you know, what everyone's talking about. They're coming in, you're attracting them into that spot and then they're nose to nose and next thing you know, they're spreading it. But if the if the humic acid is that what that was humic acid?
0: Yeah, humic acid.
2: If that proved that it killed it and didn't cause any and, and basically stopped the spread of it, then it'd be like, well, shit. Bring the minerals back.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how I was trying to be on the forefront of it. I don't know anybody you know out there, any of the big you know uh, industry leaders, you know the big dogs out there that actually had that. Um, so I just wanted to get you know get it out there and get it on it. You know, like I said, even on the bag, you know, the studies suggest, so I'm hoping one time, you know, they'd say, hey, guess what? This humic acid does kill a chronic waste in these on the soil level. And
1: mean, we would be all set. Yeah. So you've, I don't know. I don't know. So, you, so you've, you've been, um, you know, at the, the state level and, and, and had, um, conversations or presentations um saying asking you know what do you think about this and and you've you've said your piece and and had your pitch what do you think is like the political side of deer baiting deer hunting you know they want to bring in the these uh air guns you know the air bows they want to, you know, they've increased, uh, hunting season, uh, you know, doe kill, you know, this year you don't have to buy, you, you can just buy a universal doe license. Um, uh, all of these things. So like from your perspective and having had, uh, you know, been in the room for some of these things, like, how do you think the politics is here in Michigan around deer hunting?
0: You know, I wish I looked on the state. <laughs> <laughs> I, it just, I mean, you
2: know,
0: it's like talking to a wall sometimes. And I think it's more of a power trip, power play with, uh, you know, some of these committees and stuff. And like I said, you can go voice, you know, you, you put it out there. And right away, I mean, they didn't, they didn't want to even hear anything about it. And they just slammed the door on it. And, you know, our governor just ended up vetoing everything. Uh, you know, they put it back in the House late last year. I'm trying to um, repeal it and stuff, and, you know, they just shut the doors on it, and I was, you know, they did hear anything about it and stuff. So, yeah, nothing you can do. I mean, you can go and voice your opinion, but if they have their mind um, good fast on what they're going to do, they're just going to do it. You know, it's kind of sad.
1: Now, what's interesting when you say that, like, uh Dr. Kroll spoke on it, um whoever you're working with uh, with the university did they speak on it too cuz i'd imagine that it would be an, an interesting or a tough um thing to uh deal with even as a politician um with someone pitching something that they stood to gain from you know i don't want to take anything away from like what you're saying but you know if you go and say hey you know all you got to do is use my stuff um, and it'll help with the CWD problem, um, you know. That would be maybe maybe a tough sell uh, for them on the other side.
0: Yeah, like so I, I brought some papers on some of the studies that you know were suggesting on uh, the written paper and stuff. Anyone really wanting to even take a look at anything. And you know, like I said, when I mentioned when I was there, I mentioned whether hey, use my product or use you know anybody else's product, say Adam and John's product, <laughs> if it is healthy. Why not use it? And again, they just, they didn't want to have anything about it. You know, it was kind of sad.
1: Yeah. Well, I can imagine. Um, but yeah, it seems that that's, you know, de- whether it's, you know, multiple turkey tags, whether it's, you know, changing up the, um, you know, buck tags and does and the the hunting seasons and all of that, like, It's a real sore subject over here at the uh, Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. I think that that's pretty historically (laughs) accurate. Um, Yeah. But, but yeah. So, I mean, is there anything else that you've got that you want to educate us on as far as uh, like mineral use and um, kind of uh, from that side of it? Just
0: like I said, um, you know, Basically, you know what I generally tell everybody, customers, new customers, old customers, about trying to run it, you know, all year long. And, you know, that way you you keep everything moving, especially after the right butts will hit it. Not as much, you know, during the early season and stuff. And I mean, basically if you want to see a difference in your deer herd, a healthier deer herd, even on my my bags, and you know, I, I put mineral supplement and attractant not just a mineral attractant, you know, I just, I want to basically get everybody having healthier deer um, possibly, you know, help the potential, you know, for the bucks, but actually more importantly, you know, the does lactating especially and, you know, and the fawns.
1: Okay. Well, who wouldn't want that, right? I mean, healthier deer, more deer, bigger, bigger deer, bigger does.
2: So with the the guys out in Iowa, you know, obviously they can't do it during hunting season. So, are they picking back up? When when does their season end? And I mean, are they picking back up in the spring then?
0: Yeah, generally they'll start running the mineral sites. Um, I've got some of the guys that are you know early February, okay, and they'll run them to right around the first week of September sometimes.
2: Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, I'm, you know, I just go through and think about like the the things that we can do up up to our camp, um, even just for that that inventory, like I said, you know, uh, the, the guys from Patreon and, and Tim gray, he's been, uh, messing around with making his own mineral and kind of doing the same thing as, as you were just looking at the stuff on the bag and saying like, I don't think this is right, <laughs> you know, on, mm-hmm. on, on some of the stuff. Um, but then that podcast that John referenced and, uh, actually, uh, he's got his, uh, hunt from last year, uh, Dieter Cockett on the whitetail addictions that came out today okay, um, at seven. So, um, but the way that he was doing it and just using it for inventory and stuff. And like the fact that it's allowed um, makes me really intrigued for, um, you know, just trying to, whatever we can do just l- a little bit, because it's so far to get up there. I mean, to spend that much time, um, you know, to, to, to go up there and do food plots and And all that is a real commitment, but it's like, if you had something where you could say, Hey, just go freshen this up next time you're up there, throw some cameras on it and it's not going to be a a detriment,
2: you know? So like up at his property up there in the UP, could you dump say four bags or was it just going to get kind of washed away? And I mean, or do you think that would last and the deer could keep going back to it?
0: Yeah, they'll keep on going back here because, you know, if they don't eat it all the way, what's going to happen is,
2: you know, eventually it's going to leach into the ground. Right, and then they'll just kick so, it up.
0: Yeah, and yeah, there's no sweetness or nothing like that. I mean, it's all natural, it's scented flavor, but it's not going to mold or anything, so you don't have to worry about that as well.
2: Okay, yeah, it's kind of like you dump four bags and then come back and it's all mildewy mo- gross or something no <laughs> yeah. there's,
0: no i have a mold inhibitor in there as well no oh. so, i mean yeah there's some uh, companies out there that using attractant that you know it's based upon almost like you know make it really super sweet mm-hmm. um mine's more of a uh, scented flavor and not just the taste itself okay and like i said there's a mold inhibitor you know that prevents anything from you know happening
1: so with that that scent there um and obviously, I mean I'd imagine most people are, are running, you know, some sort of cameras or whatever on these sites. Um, are you seeing uh, attracting any other animals coming to it? I mean, I'd think about like that in that area, bears for sure.
0: I've I I've got pictures of bears, um, hogs, and um some lady just sent me a picture of a horse. <laughs> her, her horse got out of uh, the past year and was right in front of her trail cam eating my minerals. <laughs>
1: And so was, it was. That was about the oddest thing so far. Well, I thought at first the way that you framed that, you said some lady, and I was like, "Well, that's no. really interesting." <laughs> <laughs> but and and so that's not. Uh, there's nothing in it that's harmful to any of the other species or anything like no, that. No,
0: not at all. No, well, not at all. Okay. Just with the copper level, it, it's pretty much all minerals. You know, uh, with the copper level, so you know you generally see – Okay. Really can, cool
2: so one of the questions i always ask our uh, guests is what's your bow setup what bow are you shooting arrows sight uh i've got a deer
0: head, uh the b30 i shot that last year and it odd as odd looking as it is it is by far the best bow i've ever shot uh, i love it um and far as arrows a Michigan company, you know, I still use Carbon Impact. I shoot the uh, fast shafts. I've been shooting them for probably 15 years. Really love them. And then, uh, as far as my bow sight, uh, I got a uh, spa hog, the Hogfather. I just put it on this year.
2: Cool. How about your rest?
0: That is a limb saver. Oh, okay. And the release, yeah, release is a uh, older company. I think they're out of Pennsylvania. It's an HTM. Pretty much, it's like an index
2: release. Okay. What about, um, what broadheads are you shooting? Uh, Actually, I just had a buddy of mine,
0: Scott Nice, who runs the marketing for Thorn Broadhead, just sent me the new crown. So I'm going to try the crowns. I was shooting executioners for uh, the past three or four years. Loved them. Devastating. And he told me to try these out. Uh, well, I try to go to Ohio every year. So I'm going to take these down there and hopefully uh, knock something down during the run down there.
2: Perfect. Sounds good. Cool.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of all we've got uh, for you for today. Um, where can everybody f- follow along with, uh, you know, your hunt? Well, real quick. Uh, sure. Before that, uh, this is something that I I got to ask. I think I asked you before. But so, shooting the B30 gearhead, right? Yes. So, you can get a 30 inch axle to axle regular bow. It seems like the, the gearhead, you know, kind of their their niche, aside from, you know, the thing is extremely well engineered. And, you know, it's, it's we had Austin Cantola from the, uh, Genesis 3D printing, you know, he's an engineer as well. And he's just like, you know, this thing is like an engineer's wet dream. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, it seems like they're kind of claim to fame is I mean, they've got an 18, a 20, a 24. Uh, but when you get up into the 30 inch um, axle to axle, now you're getting into the realm of like a regular traditional, I think my bow is 30 inches axle to axle. So, so, so why gearhead um if you're going to go with a, a standard length bow?
0: I mean, it's just, it it is so stable in the hand. And I'm a bigger guy. I mean, I'm 6'4 and 215, and I got a huge draw length. I dropped it on the 31-and-a-half-inch draw length. And, that I mean, it was super smooth, quiet, and stable in the hand, even if you didn't even shoot it with a stabilizer.
2: Sweet.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's... You know, John might have a pound or two on you, but he's about the same size and the same same draw length. So I can see, you know, you're not going to get 31 and a half out of some of those shorter axle-to-axle gearheads. But,
0: uh, yeah, I tried the I tried the shorter one. I just didn't um, at the 28, and I just didn't like it. And so I talked to Skip Peterson, who's the owner of the company, super nice guy, and I sent me the B30, and I absolutely love it. I mean, it's by far one of the best bows I've ever shot in general I, i'll switch company to company every year or every other year that i'm gonna end up shooting it uh, again this year that's how much i enjoy shooting it
1: okay but like when it's like why the hell does gearhead even make a b30 <laughs> there's so many other 30 inch bows like you know I, now you got the answer yeah and yeah. like i said I, I felt i would be remiss if i did not if i didn't ask the question um but yeah so where can everybody follow along like with with what you're doing uh maybe personally and with the uh, um with the company
0: um, yeah we have a facebook page you know under you know, maniac outdoors and you can go to the website check out what we have on there as well as you know www.maniacoutdoors.com
1: awesome well we appreciate it you know thank, thank you for coming on and, and taking the time yeah. and that we can finally do this
0: you know i yeah, appreciate you guys holding me on man all right
2: all right